Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. You're worthy, you're worthy. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. To him who sits on heaven's mercy seat Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Holy, holy is he Sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. gospel reading this morning is from the gospel of John, the 21st chapter. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, 
it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Simon said, uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's take a moment to pray for Ukraine. Heavenly Father, we come before you again asking especially for the peace of the people in the Ukraine and in Russia. We ask that you would show yourself to them, that you would show your mighty presence, your power, your love, that they may have the peace that knows, that comes from knowing your son Jesus. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Peter had messed up. It didn't make it any easier to know that Jesus had told him exactly when and how he would mess up. 
But on the night Jesus was arrested, Peter, in his cowardice, had denied being associated with Jesus three times, just as Jesus had predicted. And then Jesus had been beaten and tried and convicted and executed on the cross for the crime of claiming to be God on the earth. That was bad enough. But then Jesus had been brought back to life, which meant that Jesus and God the Father were really tight. As Jesus had said, I and the Father are one. And that meant that Peter was in big trouble. For Peter had denied knowing Jesus, not once, not even twice, but three times. And so Peter had been alone the rest of that awful Friday night, and all day Saturday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning. Sunday morning, Peter had discovered that Jesus was not safely dead in his tomb. And so Peter was looking forward to spending the rest of his life and eternity without the God-man who had nicknamed him Rock, which is what Peter means. And of course, that was fair and just. For Simon Peter, Simon the Rock, had shown that his character was more like sand than like rock. The disciples and Peter had seen Jesus alive a couple of times since then. After a couple of weeks, a group of them had returned to Galilee, to the lake, and they decided to go fishing one night. It was what they had done in those days before life had changed for them three years before. It was what they had done in normal times. They were mainly fishermen, especially Peter, who had come up with the idea of going fishing. And now that that wonderful, exciting time of ministry was over, They all decided to try to get back to normal, to go fishing on the lake at night like they used to do. We all like normal, don't we? They fished all night with their nets and they didn't catch anything. They were close to the shore when they spotted a man standing there who yelled, have you caught any fish? And they responded with, no, none. And the man yelled back, put your net down on the right side of the boat and you'll catch some. And they did so, and the net was filled, and everything changed again for Peter. It's the Lord, John yelled. Peter put on his cloak. He jumped into the water, swimming like a madman for sure. And there on the shore was Jesus, cooking some fish. The other disciples brought in the boat, towing the net behind behind them, Jesus asked them to bring some of the fish in and have breakfast, and they did. And they began to get the idea that maybe life should not go back to normal. After all, they had seen Jesus resurrected, and after seeing Jesus, life can never go back to normal. And then Jesus turned to Simon Peter You can imagine the nervousness that Peter had as the Lord of the universe, the Son of God, began to speak to him. All the shame from his denials came back. Was Jesus about to cast Peter out, reject him from the fellowship, put Peter into a loneliness that would last eternally? He remembered the loneliness of that night and the next day when after his third denial the rooster crowed and Jesus stared right at Peter. And the wave of shame hit Peter. This could be much worse. This could be a forever loneliness if Jesus threw him out of the fellowship. 
Jesus began with a question. Pointing to the fish, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, notice that Jesus did not call him Peter the Rock, but reverted to his given name. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 153 fish had been counted in the net, large fish, a tremendous haul for a lake fisherman of the time. If you'll recall the different words the ancient language had for love, Jesus used agape, meaning a selfless giving love. Do you selflessly love me more than these? And Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. Peter used the word for brotherly love, philo. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus asked Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you selflessly love me? Once again, Jesus used agape. And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. Once again, Peter used philo, meaning brotherly love. And Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. And still a third time, Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? like a brother and Peter was grieved because Jesus had asked him the third time do you love me like a brother three times Jesus Peter had denied Jesus and now Jesus asked him three times if he loved him and Peter responded Lord you know all things you know that I love you like a brother and Jesus responded feed my sheep and then Jesus foretold Peter's future. He said, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. He would be arrested and, and executed. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Jesus was saying that one day Peter would be arrested and led to execution. And then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Those were the same words that had begun the three years with Jesus in ministry, follow me. With those words, Peter understood that he was once again a disciple of Jesus, a follower of the greatest teacher ever, a friend and servant of the Son of God. Life would never be normal again for Peter. It was an exhausting interview. But now he knew that Jesus had accepted him back. He knew that his life would be spent telling the world about Jesus. And he also knew that despite the troubles that might come, Jesus had Peter's back. Peter would never again endure the loneliness of that Friday night and that Saturday while Jesus lay in the tomb. For Jesus had shown him that he was loved and forgiven. You know, it was just a couple years later that a young man named Saul had turned his loneliness into a different purpose. Saul had decided that his purpose in life was to stamp out what he saw as heresy the heresy, the false teachings about God that were being spread by the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And so Saul, who had already thrown many of those followers into prison, he went to the high priest and he gained letters to the synagogues in Damascus that he might take away any of the followers of Jesus to Jerusalem as prisoners. Leading a group of men, Saul's loneliness was patched over. So often we take the loneliness that's in our souls 
and we patch it over with a quest for meaning, for power, for purpose. Some people cover their loneliness by working many hours to make money. Others keep animals as pets. Others play the television or radio constantly or sink down into the despair of chemicals that dull the mind. Other people's date constantly, looking to defeat their loneliness with a succession of people. Still others try to defeat their loneliness with collectibles, with some people even collecting children through adoption or having their own. But children grow up if properly taught, and they move away to live their own lives. For most of the things we do in our life are trying to fill our loneliness, a hollowness in our hearts. We try to fill it with the things and the creatures of the world, although that hollowness in our hearts was made for the thumbprint of Almighty God who created us. Saul chose to have a mission to get the people he didn't like. The people he thought were wrong. The people who were following a man who had been defeated. Like many people, getting his enemies was the most important thing in, in Saul's life. That was what he wanted to do most of all. And then, on the highway, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? And the voice responded, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. And Saul was now blind. They took him into Damascus where he waited three days, blind and fasting and praying. A follower of Jesus named Ananias was in Damascus. Jesus called to him in a vision and told him to go to a particular house and ask for Saul, who has seen you come in a vision to restore his sight, Jesus said. And Ananias was very fearful, but Jesus insisted, and so the man went to Saul. He laid hands on Saul, prayed for Saul to see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly Saul could see. He was baptized. He spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. His loneliness was gone. Now he began to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus was with Saul as he changed his name to Paul. He was with the Apostle Paul through his death many years later as Saul, Saul Paul planted churches throughout modern-day Turkey and Greece in Malta, and even into Italy. Paul was never again a lonely man who hurt others to cover his loneliness, for he had found the love and forgiveness of Jesus, the Son of God. You know, so much of our lives is spent trying to fill that hollowness in our hearts. We call this a normal life. But the world teaches us to do things which will never fill that hollowness. We're told to find ourselves. We do so and find that we're really pretty sad creatures, making mistakes that hurt other people and hurt ourselves. We're hurt by others, and so we're told to cut them off, to reject them, to get revenge upon them. We're told to reject toxic people. But as we do this, we act like the duck 
that swam on the pond one cold winter evening as the ice gradually formed from the edges. As the ducks avoided the pain that came from hitting the ice, the ice gradually moved in, and the ducks swam in ever smaller and smaller circles until finally the ice took over and the duck was caught. We do this with other people. We avoid the pain that comes from toxic people, avoiding them. And the next time it becomes easier to label someone as a toxic person. And so our circle of friends shrinks. We're upset because of a Facebook posting or what a friend says. And so we step away from them. We hide their posts or we unfriend them. We stop talking to someone because we don't like their politics or what they said about us or our children or a friend. And our circle of friends shrinks more. We back off from someone because they're friends with someone we don't like and our circle shrinks even smaller. We avoid all churches because someone said or did something at one church 20 years ago and our circle of friends shrinks. So much of our loneliness is caused by our choices to avoid people. For it's less painful never to talk to other people, but our pond is shrinking and it's getting very cold as the ice builds up around us. Jesus could easily have walked away from Peter. After Peter denied him that horrible Friday evening, Jesus could have said, okay, buddy, I don't need you. But Jesus, and you know, Jesus did not need Peter. Jesus is the Son of God. He doesn't need anyone. But Jesus chose to forgive Peter, welcoming him back into the fellowship of believers, even putting Peter into leadership. For Jesus knew that even if Jesus didn't need Peter, Peter needed Jesus. And that's the sort of God-man we follow Jesus did not need any of us, but we all need him to cure our loneliness. And that's why Jesus wants to love and forgive each of us. Saul, the man who became the Apostle Paul, he was a dangerous opponent of Jesus and his followers, and Jesus took Saul's actions personally. Notice that Jesus didn't ask Saul, why are you persecuting my followers? No, Jesus asked Saul, why are you persecuting me? If Jesus could strike Saul blind, it would have been easy, oh, so very easy to have just left Saul as a blind, scared, lonely man. Jesus did not need Saul. But Saul needed Jesus, and Jesus knew this. And so Jesus forgave Saul, loved even this dangerous, violent man, sent Ananias to Saul to heal his blindness, and gave Saul the Holy Spirit. To Saul's credit, he quickly understood the truth about Jesus and began to not only follow Jesus, but to lead others to Jesus. We reject people because they hurt our feelings. We reject people because of a host of reasons. They wore a mask or they didn't wear masks. They voted Republican or they voted Democrat or they didn't vote. They supported a particular policy or they didn't support a particular policy. They didn't speak to us properly. They forgot our birthday. They were late. They were early. Their grandmother was mean to our aunt 30 years ago. He took my girlfriend in high school. She took her boyfriend in junior high. 
She made fun of a dress once, and we got even. Jesus taught us that this is not the way to go. This is not Christian at all. What part of love your neighbor as yourself tells you to cut people off from you? Wherein do unto others as you would have them do unto you, do you find a command to tell people to get lost? The world wants us to do more unto others than they did to us. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Where are the carefully set boundaries, keeping people at a safe distance in go to all people? We're not to be like the lonely duck swimming on this icy pond. The hermit on the hill is not a Christian idea. It comes from other religions. Even those people who went to the desert in the early days of Christianity, they went to join with other believers in the desert and teach each other. Even the monks and nuns of the Middle Ages found a community of believers to join with. For Christ came to overcome our loneliness not to increase it. Love God. Love others as you love yourself. This is a recipe which destroys loneliness. Do you find yourself lonely? Part of the reason we find ourselves lonely is that we forget that we were created in God's image. Instead, we think of the wrong things that we've done and we feel shame, unworthy to be friends with others, afraid that they will hurt us over our actions. We've forgotten that we are children of the Most High God. And so we retreat from the world, hiding in the bushes like Adam and Eve because we think God will be angry with us. We fight against others declaring them unworthy to be our friends when the real deep truth is that we feel we're unworthy to be their friends or anyone's friends. But Christ came to overcome our loneliness, not to increase it. Here's some things you can do. First of all, Jesus is ready to welcome you to a church, to become part of his body, find a church, come to a church, and introduce yourself to three people each week. If you're lonely, introduce yourself to three people a week. Don't wait for them to introduce themselves. They may not be lonely, and they'll often forget to step forward. But if you do see someone you don't know here today, remember to step forward and introduce yourself. Second, come join a small group. Try Sunday school or the midweek class or both the class at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays in the fellowship hall. A small group is where we get to know each other better. Third, call one of the people on the back of the bulletin or call the office and ask for a telephone directory. Get in the habit of calling at least one other person in the church on a weekly basis. Fourth, practice two-way prayer with Jesus. Speak in prayer and wait for the response of the Holy Spirit. Listen. This is something that works best when we are alone. Fifth, ask Jesus to send you people to speak to about the love of Jesus and the forgiveness that, that Jesus offers. He will not deny that prayer. He will send you people. And finally, remember that Jesus is always ready to listen. And one day, we will all be with him. 
and God the Father. And then we'll be surrounded by people and angels as the Apostle John wrote in Revelation chapter 5. He said, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. In the future, our loneliness will be gone if we have chosen to follow Jesus. But today, if you're lonely or know someone who is, come forward to the altar and give your loneliness to Jesus or pray for the person who is lonely. Speak to Jesus of your burdens and your shame and give them to the Lord. Come forward and pray for another who needs help. Come forward and choose to follow Jesus. Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.